you join me in prayer. Creator of God, giver of life and all good mercy, help us to remember just how important our faith and our action is as we come together in your life and your love. The words of Scripture, may we hear your Spirit speaking to us anew. Amen. We're in the story of Genesis, the first eight and nine chapters. Uh, we are halfway through the story of Noah. We pick up the story and we hear uh, in chapter eight about what comes next. Listen for the word of the Lord. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided and the fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed from the rain and the heavens were restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made and sent forth a raven. It went to and fro in the waters. Then he sent forth a dove to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground, but the dove found no place. So he put forth his hand and took her and brought her into the ark, and he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove out of the ark. The dove came back to him in the evening. Her mouth had a freshly plucked olive leaf, so Noah knew the ark, the waters had subsided from the earth. Six hundred and first year of the first month of the first day of the month the waters were dried from off the earth and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and behold the face of the ground was dry the second month on the 27th day of the month the earth was dry and then God said to Noah go forth from the ark you and your wife and your sons and your sons wives with you and bring forth with you every living thing that is with you all the flesh birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply so Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons wives with him and every beast Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar and when the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again destroy every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God made with Noah a covenant. He said, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I will establish my covenant with you and never again shall all flesh be cut off by waters of a flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. 
When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it doesn't matter how many times I hear it. Whenever I hear the Wizard of Oz and Dorothy singing, Somewhere over the rainbow, bluebirds fly, I have to chime right in. Dorothy sings about an ideal place, over the rainbow. She finds out in the course of the story that that idealized place is not real. There is no perfect place. But then she finds out that what she really desired after all was to have a sense of being at home. There's no place like home. Noah too comes to discover something about God with a rainbow. For him, it is a very real world that he discovers. And there Noah and his children live under the rainbow. Now, if we were to summarize the book of Genesis that we have studied so far in this autumn season, it would go something like this. The creator creates creation. The creator creates the creatures. The creatures are created for community. The community only works when the creatures take responsibility. But when brothers treat brothers like others, the creation turns to chaos again. And God has the power to wash it all away. And then along comes Noah, and Noah is called by God to live and to share this gift of life, even though God knows that humanity is going to continue to be imperfect. I think about Noah on the ark. Noah and all those animals and his family sealed in the ark. They had been in that boat for months. No bow, no tiller, no sails. They're just bouncing up and down, bouncing up and down. And I think of my sailing trip. My friend took me for an eight-day sailing trip, and on the first day, I really was fine. On the second day for breakfast, I had a hearty breakfast of Dramamine. (laughs) I had the same thing for lunch and the same thing for dinner. I can barely imagine Noah bouncing up and down all that time. When Noah exits the ark, finally, after all of that bouncing up and down, finally marches down the gangplank, the first thing he does is worship. And I kind of wonder what he used for wood because all the trees had been destroyed, but my hunch is after spending all that time in the ark, uh, he used the ark for food, uh, or for wood, uh, to create that burnt offering. And say, I'm never gonna get in that thing again. The first thing he does is to worship God. This passage in the Bible is playful. When it comes to how God received the offering, there's a word play. If you you don't mind for just a moment, uh, remind us of word plays. What's a word play look like? You ask the question, what kind of lights did Noah put on the outside of the ark? Floodlights. What kind of lights did Noah use on the inside of the ark? Israelites. Why did Noah send the golden retriever outside the ark? Because he was a good boy. (laughs) There's word plays. We all know about word plays. Well, there's a word play in the Hebrew text about 
how God received Noah's offering because the, the, the word of what God, the aroma that God received is Nihoah. So Noah gave the Nihoah. In other words, it's like God enjoys a little Noah in his nose. He's delighted with him. There's a sense of playfulness because it's a new beginning, a new beginning. Out of the chaos, God brings this new beginning, having brought him through the flood, through the hard times. What does God do in response to Noah? God makes a covenant with Noah. A covenant with Noah and to all generations, I think that includes us, that they will live under the rainbow. But God knows full well now that the human beings are always going to be sinful, that there's going to be evil desires in their heart, but God is going to love them no matter what. This God changes the meaning of a rainbow. A rainbow used to be uh, like, a, like a bow and arrow, right? The gods of the ancient times were thought to, to fire thunderbolts, uh, uh, lightning bolts from their, uh, from their bows. Uh, but, but, but this God is different because he hangs his bow up. He's not gonna ever do anything like that. This God has the people live under the rainbow because they are people of promise. And the promise is God is always going to love us. Not that God is naive. God knows the evil imagination of people's hearts. God's a realist. But in the midst of a corrupt world, God is giving us love. And God lays the foundation for a world in which we can trust that love of God will be for us. This God's act is with all flesh, with all people. And this covenant is one that lays the groundwork for how we can live. It's, a, it's more than a contract, it's a covenant. It, it, it's, it's the fullness of God's being is for us. And it is for the fullness of our lives. And the question of covenant then comes, how will we respond to what God is giving to us? We have the capacity not the inevitability, but the capacity to act in ways that are faithful, loving, and true. What will we choose? In our choices, we decide who we are. And each and every one of us has to ask, who am I? What do I stand for? We define ourselves by the choices that we make. To respond to God is to make a choice that says, this is who I am. This is who I commit to being. God is acting on us by the blessing of our lives and asking us to be stewards, to take responsibility. How will I respond to God's actions through my actions? We live under the rainbow of God's blessing. Now, not everybody chooses in that way. I always like to think of Calvin and Hobbes, that old uh, cartoon uh, about a five-year-old boy and his imaginary tiger who becomes real and they play together. One of their activities is to play Calvin ball. In Calvin ball, there are balls and flags and uh, a lot of running around and only one rule, and that is none of the rules will ever be the same when we ever play it again. 
So it's just this little image of chaos that's happening. And I think there's a lot of ways that we're kind of tempted to live chaotic lives where we don't really commit to anything. Covenant is making sure that we commit to being a particular kind of people, a particular kind of people who acknowledge in gratitude all that God has given to us. We know that things can fall apart in the world, but we're called to this responsibility to take stewardship for God's good creation. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Noah was a great steward because he saw ahead what was coming and he prepared for it. Now is our time to prepare. We are stewards of God's creation in this Garden of Eden known as Kirk in the Hills. Now is our time to tend the garden and we do it by our commitments. Like the ark, we have a diverse crowd with many great needs. And the amazing thing about Kirk in the Hills is how many people are truly taken care of and loved in all sorts of ways. We do it in formal programs. We do it in, in programs like the Stephen Ministry. We do it through the deacons. We do it through, through, through the lives of individuals who are inspired by one another, who see one another, and who come to love one another. It is an inspiring thing to see the love in action among people at Kirk in the Hills. It's inspiring to see how you take care of each other in practical ways. I want to announce uh, they, they have almost fully completed the work on the patio outside the refectory. So that whole wing of the church is going to be able to be used again. I think it's amazing as I've watched that thing come together. You know, the last time uh, it was built and it was a great idea, but they didn't think about the, the water that was going to be pouring down over 70 years. And so uh, the water is corrosive and what ended up happening, it was falling apart. And there were big holes that were falling. It was getting to be a dangerous sort of thing. And this time when they have rebuilt it, when they rebuilt it, they put a vapor barrier over it. And then they put another one on top of that one. And then they put another one on top of that one. And then they put another one on top of that one. And then they put another one on top of that one. This is amazing <laughs> because you're never going to have to worry about that place for a long, long time. It wasn't raining when they built that patio, but it doesn't matter when the rains come down because it's going to be ready and that is going to be a blessing, part of the blessing of this building for a long, long time. That happened because of generosity of people in this marvelous church. Preschool is right next to the refectory down there. I walk past the preschool most every day when I come in. It's just fun for me to walk in and hear the, the children uh, enjoying themselves and learning there. Do you know that psychologists have measured and you can measure the impact of a good preschool education on someone's life? You can measure that impact 30 years later that's what you are doing. 
You are shaping someone's life for the next 30 years and beyond because of your pledge to this wonderful institution. You have claimed that you are moral stewards of those children's future. What a blessing. What a blessing. Yesterday, I was finishing up uh, after a memorial service for Carolyn Maple, the mother of a member of this congregation. And, and as I was walking down the hall, our staff member, Julie Walker, uh, was going past with a group of people. And so I smiled and stuck out my hand and she introduced me uh, to a group of folks who are helping put children who need to be adopted with parents that are looking to adopt children uh, to give them a new life. Now, I don't know if you have spent much time listening to just how far someone's life has to have fallen apart before they're uh, given over for adoption, but I have heard just some heartbreaking stories. And, and yesterday, to hear the peals of laughter echoing down the halls, as these children and their adoptive families or prospective adoptive families are being entertained by some exotic animals that were there in the, the preschool yesterday. I think he got them all so you don't have to worry about walking in that part of the building afterwards. <laughs> the peals of laughter about lives getting a new beginning. You, because of your pledges, have been part of making that happen. You made those peals of laughter possible with your pledges. Life under the rainbow is a beautiful place when we respond to how God is empowering us. It comes from our commitment. They use the word covenant because it's, it's not just a, like a, a contract that's a small thing that you'd look for ways to get out of. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a covenant with God and with one another that says, I'm bringing my whole being to this and my being is being shaped by my giving. Our actions shape our attitudes and shape the person we become and the people we become. It's generosity that makes that happen, practicing generosity as we're stewards together. We were created by God to be stewards, to care for creation, to care for one another, and to take responsibility to set our agenda for our life, a life of generosity. Responsibility in our lives means preparing for the future. That's what we're doing this week. It means pledging now in stewardship. I'm your interim pastor, and, and I gotta, you know, say some things candidly because I, I, I don't have years to get this out there. Uh, but let me say candidly, there are incredible, incredibly generous people here at the Kirk who are really uh, making wonderful pledges. And it, it is inspiring to see that. There need to be more people making pledges. Um, there are not enough. There are many, there are many, but there need to be more in order to move forward. 
Uh, a pledging is saying, this is an estimate of what I think God has empowered me to be able to give in generosity. It, it may not work out, but, but this is my intention. This is what I hope to do. Those really matter because only with those can we plan for the coming year. Uh, Kirk in the Hills is incredibly blessed by having a large endowment. Uh, some people may feel as if they don't have to give because of this endowment. But the endowment only gives half of what is needed for the annual budget. The rest of it, it's totally dependent upon the gifts uh, and the pledges of the congregation. Um, some people therefore feel like endowments are dangerous things that they cut back on giving. Uh, I mean, they really do feel like that. Uh, you, you know, to those people, I like to say, if endowments are dangerous, then Harvard's in trouble. <laughs> you have a great endowment. I'll be candid as your interim pastor and having served in a number of big churches, your endowment needs to be about twice the size of what it is. Um, and one of the things that I hope to work with the trustees and the elders on is, is, is making a commitment to letting that word get out there that we need to grow the endowment. But that's another sermon later on. This is the stewardship sermon for right now. Right now, it is about that half that comes through the gifts that we give in the annual budget. Uh, I've made my pledge uh, and, and I wanna make sure that everyone has that blessing of knowing that we get to define ourselves by the gifts we give and by the covenant we make with God. I think it's a renewing moment because it makes me take a look at my life and prioritize what matters the most in my life. This is a wonderful church. It's an imperfect church, just as every church is imperfect, and yet such profound acts of faithfulness happen here. Everyday miracles that happen because of the generosity of people working together with God and doing their part. God gives us an absolute and unconditional promise to care for us. But the real question for us is what will we do in response, in gratitude to God in return? Making that stewardship pledge, which we will do in a moment as you walk your, your pledge cards down the aisle, they're found in the seats uh, of the pews and, or that, that card that acknowledges that you've already done. It's a way of us inspiring one another, reminding one another, but more than that, reminding ourselves and lifting up to God our sense of gratitude. We've made it through the flood. We made it through COVID. We've made it through a great many challenges in our own personal lives. Now's our time to respond to God, to help the church to live a faithful future, a faithful future filled with grace and goodness and surprising things that will happen as we share together in love and live together under the rainbow. Amen.